Welcome to a special edition of the BioCentury This Week podcast. Today we are previewing the BioCentury Bay Helix China Healthcare Summit. It's scheduled for November 2nd and 3rd in Shanghai. Joining me to help set the stage for the event are Goliang Yu, the chairman of Bay Helix, who is also the chairman and CEO of Biotech Apolomics, and Josie Joe, a partner at McKinsey. Now, BioCentury, Bay Helix, and McKinsey have had a 10-year collaboration based on our mutual interest in fostering cross-border innovation. Bay Helix is, of course, the nonprofit that connects cross-border life sciences, business leaders in China, elsewhere in Asia, and the U.S. And from the BioCentury side, we're joined by BioCentury co-founder and CEO David Flores, editor-in-chief Simone Fishburne, and Josh Berlin, BioCentury's head of BD, who is helping to pull together this conference. Now, it's the 10th time we are hosting this event and the first time we're doing it fully in person since 2019. And it comes as we're seeing record cross-border deal flow. Western companies struck seven times more deals to access technology from China's biotechs last year than in 2013, as China's life sciences industry has grown from generics heavy to innovation focused. I'd like to bring in David now to kick us off. David, you'll be heading to Shanghai along with Josh and myself. What are you excited for at this year's event? Well, I'm excited for one thing that Karen Bernstein, the co-founder and chairman, is also joining us, which is something she's been looking forward to for a long time. We all of us haven't been there in, in so long. I, I need to go back a little bit and just remind everybody that when Biocentury Bay Helix and McKinsey launched the summit in 2014, the question on the table at the time was how or even whether China could build what we were calling then a bridge to innovation. And when we all last gathered last face-to-face -face in Shanghai in 2019, the formal theme had become China in the world. And then, then the question was, what must China do to stand shoulder to shoulder among the world's leaders in healthcare innovation. So here we are four years later, and well, I'll get into what, referring back to what Jeff is saying, uh, I'll take it a step further and say in 2023, we're hearing multiple voices from leaders of international pharmas like Novartis, Pfizer, and Sanofi, confirming that Chinese biopharma innovation is world-class. And as Jeff you know, just noted, we've seen a rush of deals for innovation flowing from east to west, not just from the west. And at our East-West Biopharma Summit in Boston earlier in, in, in October, some speakers went on so far as to say that China now follows only the U.S. in biomedical information. So when we convene in Shanghai, we're going to lean right into that idea. Our scene setter plenary is going to ask whether Chinese innovation has indeed reached that pinnacle and what to expect what will happen next. And then the rest of the program will document how all this is happening. So in a fireside chat, for example, Sanofi CEO Paul Hudson will explain China's role in his plans to modernize the pharma, the pharma's entire business system with AI front and center of that transformation. And we'll hear from Sam Waxel, chairman and CEO of Graviton Biosciences, 
He's found a ROC2 targeting mechanism in China for Graviton's platform. Now, many of you have known Sam over the years know he is absolutely not shy about expressing his opinions about <laughs> what is innovation and what is absolutely not. So he will spend time giving us his reflections on the closing of the innovation gap between China and the West. So maybe you should bring in the others to say what else is going on in the program because there's so much and We'll we'll do. Yeah. Sam, of course, uh, you know, was the man behind Imclone all those years ago. But let me bring in uh Goliang. I'm curious, what's the importance to you and to Bay Helix of returning to face-to-face meetings, especially when it comes to cross-border collaboration. Yeah, th- thank you, Jeff, and thanks to David's comment early on. I think we're really, you know, very excited to um, anticipating the meeting and enjoying the meeting, meeting everybody face to face. You know, after quite a long pause in terms of uh, be able to see each other and talk about a lot of uh, detail, not just to to catch up, but really, as David pointed out, there has been a lot of new innovations uh, took place uh, in China and as well as, uh, of course, elsewhere in the world. So be able to uh, kind of uh, not just, you know, in a formal setting or meeting, but chat on the hallway and listening to the presentations um, and, uh, you know, uh, a lot of social activities really bring people together. And a lot of uh, deals, as uh, again, David mentioned, deal flow has increased. You know, it's all through the interactions for face-to-face. Definitely everybody is so excited to see each other. I personally would welcome everybody come to Shanghai. It's a great time, good season, you know, good weather here as well. So uh, so excited to go along. Let me ask you something. My recollection of the China meetings is they are full of buzz, people in the hallways. I guess lots of deals getting done. But you know, going back to this issue of deal making and so on, when I looked at the data, one of the things that really interested me was that it seems to be like a pivot in 2020 which is when all of this really ramped up. And it wasn't just a peak in 2020 and then it came down. It seems in the last few years, when we talk about innovation and we look at deal-making, even when we look at venture financing and so on. So, I mean, I don't want to suggest that this all happens without people meeting, which hasn't gone on in the last few years. But is that something, or you, Josie, that you also see sort of on the ground that you have a feeling that there's just a substantial step up in the innovation quotient or whatever you want to call it in, in the China ecosystem? Well, so, so I, you know, uh, of course, uh, you know, we have experienced uh, uh, the uh, COVID lockdown in China, which uh, is uh, more challenging in the Western world. Um, but the, the innovation uh, continues. The Investment from VC community has also come down, just like uh, elsewhere. You know, in the US, we've experienced a capital winter for biotech industry as well. But you know, what has started uh, a number of years ago, uh, which also continue, of course, the innovation. So I do see a lot of more innovations coming up to the uh, audience and to the interactions where uh, people will talk about it and uh, the globalization and we also called the you know going out of the sea discussions actually i just hosted a panel in suzhou uh, last week 
the main topic is how do we let people from the West uh, know about the new innovations that are created in China, and uh, then how should uh, we interact with the US FDA, and how do we you know, fund partners? Well, the who... answer to that is to come to this meeting and to subscribe to BioCentury. Well said, Simone. That's exactly how we should be doing it, and the face-to-face -face so important. So the, the fruit of some of that innovation, I'm going to hazard a guess, Goliang, will be uh, heard about with the Bay Helix annual awards ceremony. Is that going to be the case again this year? Yes, definitely. So Bay Helix have five annual awards to award our um, you know members who have achieved uh, certain areas accomplished in certain areas. So, you know, I'm going to read those five awards, but not talking about who's receiving it because I don't want to steal the show here. So so we have uh, the uh, woman leader of the year. We have R&D achievement of the year. And we also have the deal of the year, of course, that we were just talking about. And we also now start talking about commercial achievement of the year, which is, of course, very exciting, very new. And finally, we have a company of the year. So each year we, we, you know, the members nominate for people who have achieved in each of those areas, then uh, uh, we vote on it. So this year we have also, you know, list of awardees uh, coming to be announced in, in, the, in the event. Excellent. And we'll, uh, we'll report on that in, uh, in BioCentury as well. Now, in addition to the uh, Bay Helix annual awards, another highlight of the summit are the two special reports, one on biopharma and one on medtech, produced by Josie and her McKinsey colleagues. Uh, Josie, high level, what are some of the key takeaways from your team's analysis? Yeah, thank you, Jeff. First of all, I would like to thank you for inviting us again to share at the 10th annual Biocentury Bay Helix China Healthcare Summit. And you know, especially, we're very excited to be back after a pause in 2022 due to COVID. So McKinsey has the privilege to be the insight partner to the summit for the last 10 years, as David has shared. We've been focusing on building the bridge to innovation and also looking at impact of China on global biopharma. So for this year, we would like to take stock and really looking at value creation by the industry. And I think as Guoliang and Simone has discussed and talked before, if we look over the last decade, we have really witnessed a momentous development and the creation of over 60 listed biotechs with over 100 billion market cap created. And the China originated pipeline have been growing steadily at over 20% CAGR. And this is already 20% of the global pipeline. And that is already yielding in terms of NDAs. If we look at the NDAs in China, that's 30 to 40 NDAs that are launched each year in the last three years. And as David Guoliang has mentioned, China is now on the map for the global multinationals when it comes to BD and licensing for innovation. And you, know, you have also seen the recent news from Pfizer CEO Abra Burla that they're ready to tap into the China science to help the world's patient. However, as we stand today, some of the fundamental pillars you know, are challenged with COVID, with the underwhelming macroeconomy, with geopolitics, 
and also challenging market access and pricing pressure, as well as some of the challenging funding, especially in the later stage. So we're also starting to experience some of the setbacks from FDA EMA reviews. We're also seeing the return of some of the China originated assets from their global partners. So we thought this is a great time for us to take stock on the value creation by the industry and also decipher what does it take to win in the new innovation area. To prepare for the report, we actually have conducted over 30 interviews with the industry experts, and that includes investors, both early and late stage, biotech CEOs, multinational executives, especially on the BD front, and analysts. And we will be focusing on four questions in the report. The first question is really, what is the five to 10 year outlook of the China innovative biopharma market, especially given the softened economy that we're seeing in China and increasing risk and complexity profiles of operating in China. So there's a lot of questions around, you know, how has the fundamental of China pharma market changed and whether it is still an attractive market for innovative pharma players? The second question is, what is the state of biopharma innovation in China? What value has been created by the China original innovation, taking the lenses from patients, innovation, and capital market perspective? But also in retrospective, we would like to reflect on some of the value-destroying moves, right, and how we could learn and adjust course. The third question we wanted to focus on is whether the innovation ecosystem in China is sustainable to continue to produce innovation that will impact the global biopharma industry and what are the makers of success and failure. And lastly, we will look into what could the future winner look like and we will take lens both from local innovators and their path towards value capture. We will also look at the multinationals and the path for the global players to win in China. In addition to the report, we will also dive into some of those elements in the GM panel. We actually have four out of the top five multinational GMs joining us in the GM panel. And Jeff, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't say, you know, Josie will be giving the keynote on the key findings of the report that's scheduled for Friday, November 3rd. Everyone who attends the event will get a first look at both the biopharma report that Josie's going to present, as well as the medtech report that her colleague is going to present. So that's always a highlight of the event, uh, as well as the GM panel. And we're really looking forward to seeing you uh, out there, Josie. Thank you. Excellent. Well, I'd like to bring in Simone again. Uh, I know Simone has been pouring over some deep data from BioCentury's BCIQ database on deal trends, uh, East-West deal trends. Simone, what, what have you been seeing? Thanks, Jeff. We looked at a data set uh, really just very recent, so the last year and a half. And this really refers to the East-West deals that you've been talking about. And then some of this was presented at our recent East-West conference and will be circulated. That's all in Josh's hands now. And we've taken a little bit beyond that. And what we really see that is interesting in this increased deal flow where Western companies, Western biotechs and MNCs are tapping China companies for innovation. So one thing that surprised me was the similar numbers of deals. So there were like an equal number of deals by MNCs and biotechs. 
And it's not that much of a surprise. We've, we've really known that MNCs are going to China. We've been hearing it, like Dave said, from the CEOs, Novartis, Pfizer, Roche, uh, Roche's head of partnering. We've been talking for a while about them searching and mining for innovation in Asia, China and Asia. But now what we're seeing is what I call peer Western biotechs actually also going in looking for partnerships. And one of the other things that, you know, we dug a little deeper into this and we were, well, what's the nature of the deals? What's China in particular doing well that people think it's worth investing in in BD there? And it won't surprise anybody, maybe who knows the area to know that a lot of it centers around antibody technologies. Obviously, China has a very rich expertise in antibody technologies, but they're really developing something that I call innovation on innovation. So it's not that China companies are just developing ADCs or by specifics against known targets. This is sort of what we saw with PD-1s, where there was a sort of like me too, a kind of rush in. What we're now seeing is a step beyond that, where they're taking this modality, let's say an ADC, and they might be applying it in a new indication or against a new target, or they might actually, even more interestingly to me anyway, be iterating on that with modifications to actually improve the therapeutic index, not only for ADCs, for other things as well, but this is where we sort of see the focus of it. And so I think what we're really seeing is a rise in creativity. Of course, there are some first-in-class assets that people are, are licensing. And you know, when I talk to people, they said, Soon they won't be just innovating on innovation. They will be coming up with the next new modality or whatever it was. They, they sort of feel that that momentum and that that ability to really turn their creativity into biotech companies and valid drug development programs is really taking off. Excellent. Well, you'll get a taste of that in the scene setter panel, I believe. And speaking of panels, Josh, any other panels that you want to highlight? I know um, you've just recently landed some pretty big name speakers. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Um, you know, we've been organizing this for 10 years, as, as everyone's been saying. And I, I think this is probably the best lineup of speakers we've had in those 10 years. So in addition to a few of the folks that have been mentioned already, like Sanofi CEO Paul Hudson and biotech serial entrepreneur Sam Waxall, we also have KOLs from leading China-based biotechs that are globally facing. That includes folks like the CEO of Hutchmed, Wei Go Su, president of Beijing, Wu Xiaobin, a co-CEO of Wuxi Aptech, Steve Yang. We also, as Josie mentioned, have six multinational presidents, heads of China, including folks from AstraZeneca, Boston Scientific, Merck MSD, Novo Nordisk, and Pfizer. And then we also have top VCs and financial experts, including Nisa Leung of Qiming, Stella Xu of Quan Capital, Lan Kang of CBC Group. We also have Sam Thong, Chairman of Asia Healthcare Investment Banking for Goldman Sachs. And then the other part of the program is we do have 40 biotechs that have been selected by Jeff and the BioCentury team, including uh, top European players, Evotech and Galapagos, and a lot of top China biotechs like Brebio, Innofent, and Hua Medicine. 
So I think it's going to be a really, really good program. We got great sessions. We got a cross-border deal-making session that Jeff's going to moderate. We have a multi-regional clinical trial session. We also have a part of the program that'll look at med tech and diagnostics. And of course, capital markets will be a big part of the discussion as well as we all prepare for what is hopefully a biotech breakout in 2024. So you, you can find the full agenda, including a list of who is attending by downloading the conference brochure on the China Summit website, which is biocenturychinasummit.com. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to uh, Jeff or Simone or me, and um, we hope to see you out there. If you can't join in person, please register for the digital pass and um, you know, look forward to seeing Gu Liang and uh, all of our friends at McKinsey and everyone else on the China Summit Organizing Committee in a couple of weeks in Shanghai. Good. Josh has said nearly everything. I, I, I'd i like to add one more thing because, frankly, I'm very proud of, of this collaboration and what we've accomplished. To, and I just want to call that out that, you know, from the very beginning, we aimed to build an international meeting that happened to take place in China. You know, that was the whole goal was to to truly make this an international forum. And in 2019, the last time we met face-to-face, we had record attendance and half the delegates came from outside of China. So as Josh has recounted, we're well on our way back to this 10th anniversary meeting to making that happen again. I think we all should all be proud of what we're doing. We're all making it possible for to answer Gu Yang's question from the last meeting when you were in Shuzhou. How do you convince people to pay attention. Well, we're doing our part. We're drawing, putting a spotlight on innovation. We're putting spotlights on innovation all over the world, all of us. We work together in Europe, we work together in the US, but the thing that that anchored us all together was this project we started in China. And, you know, we're gonna keep the momentum up in China. And I think, frankly, I wanna thank you all for you and Mackenzie for, for being part of this journey. It's been great. Yeah, definitely, Dave. You know, we are so happy that uh, our relationship have uh, you know last ten years and then continue getting stronger. Collaboration is getting only uh, better. So um, I'm sure you know this event in Shanghai will hit another milestone, another high note, and uh, it will continue. Yeah, on the McKinsey side, I think definitely excited that we're collaborating from you know globally and in, in about Europe and you know, US and China. And really excited that if we look at the past 10 years of our collaboration and how the industry has progressed, um, this is really amazing testimony of you know the value of the conference. Well, Josie and Go Liang, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. And uh, thanks for all you're doing for the summit. Look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. And just a a reminder, as Josh said, there's still time to register for the conference. It kicks off November 2nd. It's in Shanghai. You can also attend digitally and head to biocenturychinasummit.com to register and learn more about the summit program. Kendall Square Orchestra provides the music for BioCentury this week. The group connects science and technology professionals and other members of the greater Boston community to collaborate, innovate, and inspire through music while supporting causes related to healthcare and education. <laughs>